This episode is sponsored by Targeted Tax Relief. Do you owe the IRS money? Well, listen up. Spring is almost here. That means it's spring cleaning time. And why not start with getting the IRS off your back? Call Targeted Tax Relief right now for a free consultation. Targeted Tax Relief specializes in resolving really tough issues with the IRS. If you are someone who has the IRS on your back because of owed taxes, or maybe you are an accountant or a CPA with clients who have tax issues, I promise Targeted Tax Relief can help. Tracy started Targeted Tax Relief. She's an enrolled agent, and she can directly negotiate with the government on your behalf and work on a debt resolution settlement so you can be done with it and stop worrying every single day about going to your mailbox or answering those calls. Call Tracy and her team at Targeted Tax Relief today. Here's the number, 888-843-4113. You'll get a free consultation and operators standing by 24 hours a day to take down your information. It is confidential and secure. So call now or go to targetedtaxrelief.com. Welcome to Vegas Revealed episode 112. The Oscars are over, but not without some drama. Now Las Vegas gears up to host the Grammys for the first time ever. And Chris Rock is on his way here too. Plus, how Vegas has been misrepresented in movies. Is that a good or a bad thing? I think it starts with seeing something like The Hangover or Ocean's Eleven or even going way back to something like Viva Las Vegas. And they see this place that seems like no other place that they've ever seen, nowhere that they've ever been, nowhere that exists anywhere else. And it's like, why wouldn't you want to go there? Our full conversation coming right up. Let's get right to it. Spin the wheel. Welcome to Vegas Revealed, episode 112. Sean McAllister here, along with Dana Roselli. We're recording a little bit early this week because we have a jam-packed schedule, Dana. We do. We're doing a bunch of work shoots uh, later in the week, so we thought, gosh, we need to get the podcast done. We want to do something, but we're going to be out. uh, We're working for, it's kind of like a big charity event here in Las Vegas, and we're going to get to see Jake Owen and Midland perform, though. That'll be really cool. Uh, Yeah, I mean, two big country acts right there, and this is all a, a big fundraiser for multiple charities here in uh, across Las Vegas and in Southern Nevada. So we're looking forward to that, but wanted to make sure that we got a great podcast episode for you too. It's actually a Monday that we're recording this, and it's the day after the Oscars. Holy moly, Sean, that was Man, intense. High drama. I mean, I did not know what I was looking at when that was going down. I happened to be watching at the time, and I know everyone's talking about it, and things are going to be changing through the week, and what we would even say might not even make sense by the time this podcast drops. But wanted to point out that, yes, I know the world is watching as America presents the Oscars, and uh, eh, wasn't the best look for us, I guess. <laughs> no, I I think a good rule of thumb is keep your hands to yourself. I think so too. Wow. But the thing is, is we have the Grammys coming into town now. So that was what, that was movie's biggest night. Right. And now music's, music's biggest night. Music's biggest night. Coming to Las Vegas, it's going to be held at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. This is the first time ever. They canceled it because of COVID 
you know, there was like, that was when Omicron was out and it was peaking and they needed to move it. And then whatever facility they had in Los Angeles that they needed to do the Grammys at was not available. So now they said, hey, we're going to go to Las Vegas. So it'll be interesting to see if there's more security, if any of the rules will change. Maybe comedians won't be on stage for this one. I don't know. Well, Dana, I did uh, hear that over at the Grand Garden Arena, they are installing seat belts in all of the seats so nobody can rush the stage. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That is funny, Sean. You didn't tell me that joke before. I like that. That's a good, good idea. (laughs) It's like going on a roller coaster when you you pull the the bar over your head and it locks into place. (laughs) And and you will only be released if you win an award. Oh, man. Yeah. We'll uh, have to see how that goes. I'm scheduled to be at the Grammys for uh, the show that we are correspondents for called Vegas On. So um, sometimes things change, but if that's the case, we'll have great video and social media posts for you, and we'll share all that content. Uh, So check out our social media pages for that. Also related to the Oscars fiasco, Chris Rock um, making an appearance here in Las Vegas. We talked about it in the past, but he's going to be here in like a little over a month doing stand-up over at the Coliseum at Caesars Palace. So that's still on May 6th and 7th, and then he'll be back on July 3rd. And I wonder, which we talked about before, wonder if uh, phones, if he'll require phones to be locked up in those pouches. Yeah. For his show here, because I have a feeling that that slap may make it into his routine. Right. I know. Well, I saw him at it the park. It should anyway. It should. I mean, I'm, could, I could. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? He'll either completely ignore it, which I don't think a comedian could do, right? right? And I think he was a bit embarrassed, too. So he's kind of got to probably get out of that feeling by kind of making fun of it at some point, I'm assuming. I don't know. We have to see what... What goes down, right? But I did go see Chris Rock at Park MGM, and we talked about that last week when he was here just a few years ago, and we did have to lock up our phones. Yeah. So, probably. Well, and I thought it was interesting. Uh, Kathy Griffin made a comment on on Twitter saying something to the effect of, uh, do all comedians now need to worry about somebody rushing the stage and hitting them in the face (laughs) after a joke that people don't agree with? I know. I mean, and that really could apply to anyone on stage now. Right. You know, I mean, right. how was that even? And it's strange, you know, and I think because many people thought possibly it was a bit, but I'm actually shocked when he started to walk up there that security didn't like immediately like kind of get into place. Like it's it's interesting. I don't know. It's strange. Yeah, it is. So, but yeah, she, she makes a good point. And, you know, Kathy's been through it. She's been canceled. And then is she back now? I don't she's know. She's coming back. <laughs> I don't get the whole canceled thing. She's I got mean, gigs booked and uh, okay. she's on her way back, but <laughs> not fully uncanceled. Right. So if you want to see Chris Rock, May 6th and 7th and July 3rd over at the Coliseum at Caesars Palace. And do you remember, Dana, when the Oscars used to be about movies? Yeah. (laughs) About the nominees and whether they would win or not. There would be controversy over whether a movie was nominated or not. Well, we reached out to a movie critic here in Las Vegas. His name is Josh Bell. And we were chatting about, you know, who he thought was going to win for some of these awards. But then uh, the conversation kind of went in another direction. He was writing an article about how Las Vegas is represented 
on the big and small screens. Mm -hmm. And we thought that would be something interesting to talk about. So we have Josh Bell on the line, film critic. Sometimes I agree with some of Josh's picks, sometimes I don't. But today we're not talking about picks. <laughs> we're talking about how Vegas is portrayed in movies, which is a really interesting topic, especially for our listeners that love to travel here and maybe they don't travel here a lot, but they think they have this certain image of Las Vegas. Yeah, and Vegas really has become a character in and of itself in a lot of movies. Josh, thanks for joining us. How's it going, man? Uh, it's good. Thanks for having me. Always happy to be here. Yeah, now you're doing this piece and working on this piece, so we said we want to talk about this. Um, because, you know, d are you trying to say that, like, a tiger's not going to show up in our hotel room <laughs> if we have a hangover? <laughs> I mean, maybe if you have a really intense hangover, that could happen. Uh, or at least you could perceive that it happens. But, um, no, I think that that is the thing, is that, like you say, people who come to Vegas... Uh, or are enticed to come to Vegas, a lot of them, I think it starts with seeing something like The Hangover or Ocean's Eleven or even going way back to something like Viva Las Vegas. And they see this place that seems like no other place that they've ever seen, nowhere that they've ever been, nowhere that exists anywhere else. And it's like, why wouldn't you want to go there? And then you arrive. And not that we don't have amazing things here in Vegas, because of course we do, but you arrive and it's not the same as what it is in the movies. But I think uh, the way that the movies portray it is is sort of aspirational for us here in Vegas, or, or it should be, that the idea of creating this mythical wonderland that everyone will want to come to and be amazed by is something that we in Vegas should be inspired by instead of what we often do as locals, which is grumble about how, oh, this wasn't right and you can't turn left on that street and end up there. And not, not that it's not fun to feel superior to other people because we live here, but uh, I, I think to me, having seen so many of these and I watched so many Vegas set movies for work purposes, I, I, I've kind of come around to this opposite view of like, it's it's beautiful in a way to live. It's like living in in Asgard or something from the Marvel movies. You live somewhere that people see as this uh, other world, and it's a special thing. I think even when it's completely inaccurate. Well, it, it's funny that you talk about like taking a left turn and ending up somewhere that it's not even humanly possible to end up. That's exactly what I was thinking when I was watching the Jason Bourne movie. They had that big chase scene going down the strip, but it, it started and picked up in the most random places. <laughs> and the way that they put it together made it seem like you know, immediately after they passed the Bellagio Fountains, they were crashing into the Riviera. <laughs> right. And obviously we know that that's wrong. But at the same time, that created the most exciting chase scene and made Vegas look like this place of one wonder after another as Jason Bourne is careening across the strip or whatever. So not that we should move those casinos to be next to each other, but I think the the vibe of that, or you know, you could, you talk about Ocean's Eleven and the whole heist there is predicated on the idea that these three casinos are attached via some sort of crazy underground network where this giant vault exists and they're all owned by this, this ruthless mogul and, and none of that stuff is true. But 
is kind of cool and it would be amazing. I, I don't know if we're going to create an underground network of tunnels or go back to the days of ruthless uh, moguls who own casinos and might uh, break your arms <laughs> or that we should. But I, I, I guess instead of complaining about that, I feel like we should, you know, we can look at those things and think about what about that made people excited to come to Vegas and, and how can we sort of capture a little piece of it maybe. Um, so it is kind of my uh, pie in the sky uh, <laughs> interpretation of this kind of stuff that does frustrate many of us here locally. Yeah, and in one movie that we were talking about offline, a good example is Showgirls, right? Because you were saying, you know, there aren't, there isn't like that main featured show anymore that features showgirls on the Las Vegas Strip, but yet, you know, that movie is iconic and showgirls in general are in a lot of different movies. They always appear, even now. And, and you were, and we were saying like, there really isn't a show that features showgirls. There's, you know, little bits and pieces of showgirls as kind of backup or something in some of the shows. Yeah, I think that's not only Showgirls the movie, which uh, sort of paradoxically is more about like uh, exotic dancers yeah. than Showgirls really per se. Um, but yeah, the 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 image of the Vegas Showgirl. You watch any movie or show that takes place in Vegas or even just has a moment where characters go to Vegas for like five minutes. And what happens? There are showgirls. Just recently, the HBO Max show Hacks with Gene Smart, which is a great show and has a lot of honest, real stuff about Vegas, especially the way that entertainers have to kind of straddle this line between performing on the strip and then going out to strip malls to, uh, you know, go to ribbon cuttings or whatever. And that's the balance of their lives to be a working entertainer here in Vegas, which I thought was really effective. But that the character, Jean Smart's character, you know, she's walking backstage, going to her show. And who else is backstage? Is a bunch of showgirls in those traditional costumes. And so even a little moment like that in a really recent show, it's the obvious thing that people expect of Vegas. And yet we've closed all our showgirl shows, you know? Jubilee is gone. Um, you know, Follies Berger is gone. Those shows are relics from our perspective here in Vegas. But I think from an outside perspective, that is the thing. You, know, you could say the same thing about Elvis impersonators, mm -hmm. right? We've moved past that. It's a rare thing to have here anymore. But if you watch a Vegas movie, what have you got? Elvis everywhere. So I don't know, maybe that's part nostalgia. Yeah. Um, but I think because it still occurs in current movies and shows, it's more than just nostalgia. Right, and it's interesting that they even called the movie Showgirls, Showgirls. It's like they use that name. I mean, obviously, you know, they, they didn't go with exotic dancers. <laughs> like, I'm going to Vegas to be an exotic, you know what I mean? It, so it, it, it pulls you in. You're Although like, there are many of those stories, yeah. girls who come to Vegas to be an exotic dancer. Very true, very true. Those are true to life. And Sean was saying that he thinks Casino is a pretty good depiction of how Vegas was back in the day, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, that period of time, I feel like... Obviously, it was based on uh, real people and some true events and some drama mixed in, too. But that really did show kind of life on and off the strip, the country club living and the plane flying in. But then what was really going on on the strip in those days when the, the mob was running things and then being run out? Yeah, because, you know, like you said, is based on true events and so is maybe more 
concerned with that kind of accuracy than other movies are. Um, but I think even Casino kind of plays into this idea that, you know, there's this cliche about Vegas was better when the mob ran it. And in reality, there are many, many things about that that is very, they're very not true. <laughs> and nobody really wants to live in a Vegas where you may get murdered and buried in the desert. I don't think anyone wants that. Right. Um, but, but the way that the Vegas, the mob run Vegas is depicted in movies, yeah, okay, those murders aside, um, has that level of glamour that I think people are enticed by and maybe it's weird to say it about a hyper violent movie like Casino but people watch Casino and they think wow I want to go there um, and so that is another aspect um, and you know it shows the the darker side of Vegas but in a way not to endorse violence or anything like that but in a way sort of that the danger of it is something that draws people here as well I think mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of the whole idea that inhibitions are lost and anything goes mm -hmm. is, is really the what it boils down to. And and something else that it boils down to really anytime Las Vegas is featured in a movie or a TV show, I mean, it's a giant marketing tool, isn't it? You look at the number of people who are still moving to Las Vegas on a weekly and monthly basis, something's bringing them here. Yeah, it is a marketing tool, and I think that's part of what I'm saying is that the marketing tool is sort of divorced from what the reality ends up being when people come here, because of course these movies aren't made by the LVCVA, they're made by <laughs> film, and not that they should be, they of course should not be, um, but they're made by filmmakers who have artistic visions, and that there's that disconnect. But sometimes I think when it works out, it can be really cool. We talked about The Hangover. You know, you have that that crazy hangover suite in The Hangover, which did not exist. It was made for the movie. It was built on a soundstage for the purposes of those characters. And then the movie was so popular that Caesars kind of seized on that and made a hangover suite. And I think that kind of symbiotic relationship sure. is a cool thing that maybe we could have more of if uh, people were... I don't know, casino executives or whatever, not that I have any expertise there, we're, we're paying more attention to that pop culture zeitgeist. Well, and I think too, like a lot of the movies, you know, when they're made, they don't actually take place in Vegas. Some of the parts, you know, obviously they're done at the studio or whatever, but it's true when you walk by Caesars and you look up at that certain area, you're like, that's where they sat at the hangover. And like, if we could have more of that iconic spots all around could be really cool. Um, what's your favorite Vegas movie? What do you think, and whether it's true or not, what is your favorite all-time Las Vegas-based movie? Oh, God. I don't, you see, I should have prepped this better. My favorite of all time. Um, I don't know if it's my favorite of all time, but I do like, you know, sort of paradoxically, as I'm saying this about the image of it, I like the movies that do go beyond the strip and depict some honest aspects of Vegas life, but especially as it kind of... Um, clashes with or has a an interaction with the strip like i was saying they show on hacks there's a movie called electric children by rebecca thomas who is actually a vegas local mm. and um it was shot and takes place mostly downtown and it is about stars julia garner uh before she was a big star oh, from wow. ozark interesting uh, playing this uh sort of sheltered mormon teen from utah who uh has very uh strange 
thoughts about uh, reproduction and has decided that she's become divinely pregnant by listening to a cassette of a rock song and that this this uh, sort of washed up rocker who lives in Las Vegas is the divine father of her child. So she escapes from her sheltered Mormon compound and comes to Las Vegas and uh, meets up with these kind of like uh, dirtbag musicians who crash in this warehouse downtown. And it, it's not anything on the strip. Um, but it also captures the mystique. Like, where does she go to find the divine rock star who magically impregnated her? Well, of course, she goes to Las Vegas. So um, maybe that's not my favorite of all time if I like went through a list, but that's the one that comes to mind and I think is underrated and, and captures this idea without being about gambling mm -hmm. or things on the strip or Danny Ocean or any of that kind of stuff. So... Yeah, I Electric like Children. Well, I, I think the plot line has all the rest of them beat. That's for sure. <laughs> it is It is a strange kind of magical realist storyline that it doesn't always quite come together perfectly, but it's good. And and Julia Garner is is great. I mean, I know, Dana, you're a big Ozark fan. Yeah, yeah. And um, she, uh, she does a really good job in this film as well. Yeah, and she was good in inventing Anna, too. Um, this is totally off the beaten path. I was just curious, just because so many people have been home watching, you know, Netflix and everything for the last two years. You know, I feel like more than ever we're watching series. And I'm just curious your take on, um, this is not Vegas-related, on... Like a lot of these shows that I watch that are series, I feel like they should be a movie, a lot of them. Like there's eight episodes, like even Hacks would have been a great movie. I, I thought toward the end, I mean, do you feel that way as a critic that when you're watching some of these series that are coming out now that the God, this would be, be a great two hour movie. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think especially for stuff that tells a limited story. I mean, at least with Hacks, that's an ongoing series. There's going to be more to it. So mm -hmm. leaving it kind of open-ended and um, taking the plot in a lot of different directions is a positive, is what you want to see so that there's more potential for future episodes. But a lot of these, and, and especially for whatever reason, these kind of true crime ones that are a huge trend right now, whether that's Inventing Anna or The Dropout or Pam and Tommy, um, these are the kinds of things that I think would have been two-hour movies in, I don't know, 10 years ago even, not, not even that long ago, but because of sort of the streaming economy and these streaming services are getting more hours viewed and they're getting more people on the hook for longer if there's multiple episodes that they stretch these things out. But yeah, it is a big frustration for me. And, and the general trend of TV to no longer be episodic I think I find very frustrating as a critic and the idea that every TV series is just a 10 hour movie, whether that's a single season of a show that's meant to be ongoing or a, a limited story. And I wish that more of these creators would pay more attention to the idea of a single episode telling a complete story, even as a piece of a larger ongoing story. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm shouting into the wind on a lot of that kind of stuff because viewers eat up these things and people who won't sit for two and a half hours and watch a movie will sit for eight hours <laughs> and watch <laughs> a know. mini series, which I don't get. And I, I, I don't, I don't like binge watching. If I'm watching a series, I would rather watch an episode, you know, a week sometimes mm -hmm. even, and take a long time to digest it. But that seems to be the minority in a lot of cases now, but I agree with you, Dana. I think it's frustrating. And if they're gonna make these things 10 friggin' hours long, 
then at least do something in those 10 hours that justifies it. Tell more side stories. Right. Um, you know, have little vignettes within there and don't just take what a bit what would have been your two hour story and stretch it like taffy until it practically breaks. And it, Josh, obviously you have great insights uh, into movies and TV and the entertainment industry as a whole. How can people catch up with you and, and follow along with everything you're doing? Well, if you want to listen to me uh, bloviate about more movie stuff, you can check out Awesome Movie Year, which is the podcast that I co-host with comedian Jason Harris. Uh, each season, we take a look at a different year in cinema and uh, break down different movies in each episode. That is at awesomemovieyear.com, at uh, awesomemoviepod on Twitter, and awesomemovieyear on Facebook and Instagram, although I think there's literally nothing on its Instagram page, <laughs> but follow it anyway. Um, you can check me out. Uh, follow me. I, I write all over the place. I have a, a piece coming up in Desert Companion uh, about this whole idea of the way that Vegas is represented on screen coming up soon, but I write all over. So check me out on Twitter at Signal Bleed and on Facebook at Josh Bell Hates Everything. And you can kind of... Uh, that's what collate all of my various writings and ramblings uh, in those places. <laughs> the best website title ever. Josh Thank Bell you. hates everything. It I really feel is. like the only things you don't hate are the or the only things you don't hate are the things that Dana does. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we 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 seem to have an extreme opposite of tastes uh, recently in discussing the Oscar nominations. <laughs> uh, we do. But the thing is, is when I do want Josh's take on things, after I watch something, even my mom will say sometimes, write Josh, I'm curious to see what he thought. And so I tweet him. So if you want to tweet Josh after you, you know, because sometimes after a series, you're like, I want to talk about it. But like, I, I'm not sure if someone close to me or my friends have watched this. Josh has seen everything. So you can like, He's like a lifeline, like a therapy line <laughs> to talk about series or movies. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to help you. And uh, your mom, my, my mom is always texting me about the things that she's watching. So mom's everywhere. I'm happy to discuss movies and TV with you. <laughs> I love, love it. it. <laughs> Josh, thanks so much for joining us as always. Thanks for having me. All right, let's get right to our tips. And Dana, both of these tips are... Uh have wide interest however there's also some really great local las vegas connections with them yeah comedian joe coy funny funny guy um his mom lives here in las vegas owns a little restaurant and he has done stand-up in las vegas for a very long time he yeah. visits here a lot and i know you and i have interviewed him many times he's so funny yeah, he's come and to... such a nice guy, too. He really is. He's come to the TV studios that we've worked for, and we always have a blast with Joe. And I love to see that he is just blowing up and doing, like, bigger and bigger tours. Um, I think the last time I saw him was in the Mystere Theater at Treasure Island. Oh, okay. It was okay. great. Yep. Really funny. Um, and now he's... I love this. He's coming to T-Mobile Arena, and I was like, good for you, Joe. That's a big deal. It is, right? He's going to be coming Saturday, November 19th, so it's not for a little while yet, but we were excited about this, and he's making a stop on his Funniest Funny World Tour, and the pre-sale is going to begin on March 30th, so we thought we'd let people know about that now, but Joe is funny guy if you've never seen him live you got to go to this that is and it's a, a great opportunity to see him in a, a great arena t-mobile is a great venue uh for all sorts of events sporting events concerts 
comedy tours. So snatch up those tickets while you can. Another uh, show that we're excited about here is our hometown band, Imagine Dragons. Over the past, I don't know, decade plus, we've watched their rise to fame here in Las Vegas. They started playing bars and then some festivals where they really broke big. And then they have just gone global over the past several years. And now they are bringing their Mercury World Tour back here to their hometown at Allegiant Stadium. That show is coming up on September 10th. Oh, that'll be good. Yeah, I don't fill that up. And that's going to be, yeah, like, you, I don't even know if it's a homecoming because they live here. But the, right. But, you know, in in a sense, uh, it'll be a great stadium show. It will. I think, to be at Allegiant Stadium. He's going to be, uh, they are going to be, I should say, joined by special guest Macklemore and Kings Elliot. And it's, I guess, the band's biggest North American shows of their career to date. So congratulations to them. Absolutely. And there are going to be so many Las Vegas supporters who have seen them, you know, come up over the years. So I have a feeling that that's going to be a really special show, not only for fans, but for the band Imagine Dragons as well. Yeah, and I love that they've been releasing music like all through this whole COVID period, you know? They've they've kept busy, they took advantage of the time and and now they've got new songs that have caught on and they've got their obviously their hits that I'm sure they're going to play and I was just chatting with someone who saw them recently in Los Angeles and said the show was Fantastic. Yeah, they are. They're great live performers. And, and you talk about the music that, that comes out. I think that there was a period of time where they were recording so much music that I believe they had almost like two albums worth of music wow. in the can. And they were just like waiting to release it. So there's stuff that is coming out now that was recorded like two, three years ago. And so, you know, it's got to be exciting to finally have that music out and to be performing it and then to have a big hometown show. Mm -hmm. So Joe Coy at T-Mobile Arena, Imagine Dragons at Allegiant Stadium, two great shows with uh, artists who have great, deep Las Vegas roots. I love it. And before we go, just a quick shout out to our sponsor, Targeted Tax Relief. Go to TargetedTaxRelief.com. If you have issues with the IRS, say you owe money, it's been hanging over your head for a long time, it's 2022. Just get rid of that burden. Call Tracy over at Targeted Tax Relief or fill out the form online at TargetedTaxRelief.com. That number is 888-843-4113. Again, call Targeted Tax Relief 24 hours a day at 888-843-4113. And we'll be back next week. Let's get away.